Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Benchtown TV. I'm your host, Jim, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler. And today we are back with some more Silo Talk. The season finale aired over a week ago, but we still cannot get enough of it. Today, we have a special surprise for all of our loyal listeners. Right after the finale aired, we were lucky enough to have author Hugh Halley return to the podcast for round two to discuss the finale and the season as a whole. But before we get started, just a little bit of housekeeping. If you found us by searching Silo in your favorite podcast app, then you found our Silo feed. But we just want to quickly remind everyone that we are a podcast that has covered over 75 different TV shows with over 350 episodes, and we'd love for you all to join us for our other coverage. We recently finished up Succession, Yellow Jackets, and of course Silo. We're currently covering The Witcher, Marvel Secret Evasion, and Cruel Summer, and there's many, many more shows coming very soon. If you want to find the other shows we cover, all you have to do is check us out at BingetownTV.com or search Bingetown TV in any of your favorite podcast apps. So please hit that subscribe button on this feed, as well as our Bingetown feed, to stay up to date on all of our new shows. Also, during this interview, you'll hear us bring up our new Discord feed a few times. We absolutely love engaging and interacting with all of you, whether it be theories, questions, mistakes, recommendations, or all of the above. It is one of our favorite parts of having this podcast. We've had a lot of people asking where the best place to get in touch with us is. And of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, email, etc. But we decided that we wanted to create a community where all of us TV lovers can hang out in one place. So we finally created our Discord community a few weeks ago. You will have direct access to all seven of our hosts, and we want everyone to have some fun and not just talk about the podcast, but also about your favorite shows and movies in general. Like we said, questions, theories, mistakes, recommendations, we want it all. So please join us. We'll leave the link in the episode description, and we can't wait to hang with you all. Now that that's out of the way... Here's our interview with the awesome Hugh Howie. Enjoy. Hey, guys. Hey, hey Hugh. How's how it going? Doing? Good. What's up? Oh, not Ten too episodes much. down. We Ten did it. Ten episodes down. Man, that went by fast. It really did, actually. It went by very, very fast. How many podcasts and YouTubes have you been invited on since we talked five weeks ago? That's so funny you say that. I was trying to figure it out because I I was doing like three or four a day. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd guess I've been on like maybe... 40 or so. Wow. We'll start with this question. How many gave you their theories and how many do you think were correct enough? Meaning for season one, not obviously the overall theme of the show or anything like that. I feel like not many people are running theories past me. I see that online and I kind of peruse other people's theories. Yeah. Um, we gave you our theory and you're like, I like it. And that's all you could say. <laughs> was this for the end of season one or is this a bigger theory? Yeah, no, our theory for the end of season one was what happened. Yeah. Our guess was about the like the VR headset kind of deal. Like yeah. the, the visual was the illusion, the green grass, blue sky, everything was the illusion. We did guess that there was more silos. We didn't guess anything about the heat tape, though. That one went right by us. Yeah. In the book, the heat tapes played up a little bit more. I think we could have done some subplotting in the down deep during the season to kind of tease that. But you know, we can't shoot everything we want to shoot. Sure. Yeah, that's And from the executive producer spot, you mentioned when we talked the first time about what your involvement is and the areas of the book that they flushed out that you really enjoyed. But we didn't talk about areas that maybe they didn't that you thought could have been. From your perspective, you mentioned the heat tape. Were there any other areas that stuck out at you? It's like, hey, I wish they would have maybe done more with this before we got to the finale or... Tons. There's so much I wish we could have covered. Um, I wish we could have spent more time with Lucas, mm-hmm. the guy charting the stars. One of the things I was trying to pitch, because I feel like we needed a couple more humorous scenes. I wanted to pitch Lucas inviting Juliet to dinner one night. He's like, look, you got to eat. 
And so you think they're going to go on a date, but then he has her over to his mom's for dinner. And so it's like Juliet at a family dinner and the mom asking all these questions like, so you're the new sheriff and like, yeah, um, I could just see Jules's answer. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Just like she would not have been happy at that dinner, but, and I think Lucas would have been also awkward and seeing him at it, like what he does at work. I, I was hoping we could have him interacting with Bernard or maybe even he's one of the monitor operators or something. Uh, just to get him woven into the plot a little more. When we come into a podcast like this, our goal is more to just like actively listen and, and have a conversation with you rather than throw 20 questions at you. But the one question I've written down and you kind of hit on it was just more so a question of like when you're writing and it goes hand in hand with the showrunners and how they do it. Like, how do you think it's best to flush out characters that you introduce? Because just the preface is, I understand there's 10,000 people in the silo, but we have a fan base that adored the show and you know, all the, all the accolades it's got. But for me, it's like, because you open the show with Holston and Allison and even like the billings and the glorias of the world come back to be such big parts for the characters that were like Lucas, Danny, Carla, they just felt more hollow to me. And I was like, I wonder what, you know, I don't know what the good answer. You can't have everybody woven in the story. Otherwise you don't flush out jewels enough, but like, where do you think the balance is? Well, so Lucas is really set up for season two and beyond. Um, He's a huge part of the book, but he comes into the book, like, you know, 40% of the way in or something. Um, So we're just establishing him so that his involvement in the future makes sense. But we could have spent a lot more time with him because he's so integral. Um, I think what we did with the TV show that's different from the book is that we made George a bigger part of Juliet's motivation. Mm-hmm. And I think the payout when you get to the video uh, on the hard drive makes all that emotional resonance worth it. Like oh, yeah. her wondering why she's doing this. You know, she goes on to Walker and is like going to give up a couple of times. She's calling on the radio. She's like, why am I? Why am I doing this? And I think in the end, like George unlocks two things in Juliet, like not just the curiosity about the bigger questions, but connections to people. Like she has a Mm -hmm. hard time with that. And I don't know that she resolves her differences with her dad. I don't know that she's there for Gloria to unlock that secret if George didn't teach her how to, that people are important. So doing all the other things that I would want to do with the show, we would have to not do some of those things that I, that I think are like so important for season one. Um, yeah. Agreed. And Agreed. yeah, I mean, I this episode so- six with the flashbacks with George, like that was the big flashback episode. And that was like one of my favorite episodes of the season because it yeah, made me feel so much more connected to Jules. You know, what's crazy is like every week I was like, this is my favorite episode so far. <laughs> um and I, I think the show just like built on itself and people, you were like Billings, like he doesn't need to be sheriff. And then by the end of the season, you're like, this is a, this is a quality dude. And then he's oh, telling yeah. his, his wife about punching a guy and you're like, this is a complex dude. Yeah. Um. So yeah, man, the, I, I haven't binged it yet, but now that it's all out at some point, I want to watch it in a couple of sittings and just see how it, what, what the binge watchers are feeling. I imagine they're having a different experience. The people who are going weekly. It was like, holy shit, that episode felt like it was 15 minutes long. And bingers will be able to watch like three episodes, four episodes together 
And I have a feeling it's this show is like a cultural event weekly, but a powerful viewing event when done in a sitting or two. I totally agree with that. It was a blast having week to week. I tweeted about this from our account, just having a week in between to just dive into the mysteries, to talk about everything that just happened in the last episode to Tyler had certain theories. I had certain theories. Some we got right. Some were totally off, including we talked to you as a joke about the badge, Olson's badge. Tyler was looking into why certain letters were capitalized and certain ones weren't. And obviously that came out to be nothing, but the badge became a huge part of the finale. And it was amazing how the badge came back into play. So it was also her last wish was to have the badge, which is insane because it was Holston's last wish to give it up. So that bookend, you know, the the show kind of, I mean, there's one shot after she places uh, the badge, which is like, you know, a big reveal. Mm -hmm. But the show opens on that badge on the desk and him grabbing it. It's like the very first shot. And I love when writers take the time to create that kind of symmetry. You know, it shows that it's not just tossing words together. It's people spending a lot of time outlining and revising to create a full package like that. We have a couple people in our Discord server basically creating our own Reddit thread for Silo. And one of our members is going to do a binge watch and go through all of the relics for season one, make a list and try to determine if we can figure out some kind of time period. So we're going to be diving in and we're going to be binging and trying to figure some stuff out. So we're excited for the binge as well. Cool. Yeah, me too. You were mentioning the writing for season one. And I feel like anytime I'm talking to anybody for a show, especially that's going to have multiple seasons, it is fair to ask, like, how is the writer's strike impacting Silo? And I know that it's it's getting pretty contentious. It'd be good to hear your take on that and how that's impacting Silo. Uh, if you have to have this happen to your show, we couldn't have timed it any better than this. Yeah. <laughs> because we got we had all the episodes written, you know, like a month before the strike started. Mm-hmm. And so when the strike seemed imminent, we basically had every writer going over the scripts as if the show was filming right now and making those big decisions and the big cuts and all the polish and revising that we had to do, knowing the sets that we had built, like who we had cast for each role. So we were doing a lot of the rewriting that you normally do while you're shooting. And I don't know how strict they are on what you can and how much you can deviate from the scripts when you're shooting. But it's natural to deviate some, like actors just say things differently. And so watching the dailies, you can see how there are different takes and you'll be able to create um, a different show. And you also, whenever characters are talking, there's also that over the shoulder where the person talking is the person whose back is to the camera. And um, even though we can't redo any revisions right now, once the strike's over before the show comes out because the show, you know, won't be ready for, you know, eight months or so. Um, you, right. You'll do a lot of re-recording where the actors don't even have to come in. They just do the voice. And so if we need to add some lines and change the scripts, it's not too late. If we need to come in and do reshoots with some minor characters, we can do that. If we need to rewrite to do establishing shots, we can do that. So... Um, it's not messing us up for season three, really, because we had a lot done on that. And hopefully, let's say the strike's d- over in four months. 
we're in post-production on season two. We have time to write season three to get, you know, fired back up. So this messed up a lot of people more than it messed us up. To me, the biggest problem with this, I mean, it's a, it's a pain in the butt. I wish the strike didn't happen. But we have so many writers who would love to be promoting the show. And the WGA has really, I think, just stupid rules about, like, these are people who have already done the work. And the WGA doesn't like writers saying, hey, I worked on this. Like, go watch it. It's awesome. Because they don't want you to help studios make any money, yeah. even though this is something yeah. you worked hard on. And so I'm uh, I, I'm honestly against the, the WGA with a lot of their rules that don't do anything other than like hurt our writers more than it's hurting the studios. And that's frustrating. Yeah, it's an interesting time, too, because I saw like the other day that a lot of actor like actors guilds and things of that nature are kind of joining. And then you think about like Rebecca Ferguson being a big part of the, of producing the show. Like, where does that put her? I don't know. It's always, I was thinking the same thing of like the fact that it's already written season two, this is probably the best timing for silo to stay on, on pace. But I think it just puts every single person in like a weird predicament right now. Yeah. And people aren't on set getting paid for their, you know, the, the, the writing you do on set, which, and it's always better to have writers on set. Um, and not just to rewrite, but to help interpret the scripts of people. So actors can ask like, what's going on here, but we have, we have great directors, um, who know the show really, really well. And, uh, some returning directors from season one that always helps. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I would say if the baseline is a hundred percent quality, this might like take 2% off of that just by not having that, uh, people there. And hopefully you can add that 2% back and then, and then some, and, and post the best the best solution is if we get the strike ends before season two wraps then we'll be able to jump in and make some tweaks that's great the tweet that you posted from rebecca ferguson an interview she did fired everybody up just how in she is but also saying basically exactly what you said silo has been ready to go for season two they're already working on it so they're not going to be affected as much but the biggest part that i loved and I'm rephrasing it here, but the characters are developed. The scene is set. It's time to go. Let's do it. That was an awesome tweet. She's shooting some scenes right now this last last week that I've never seen an actor go through something quite like this. And I hope we can share some of the behind the scenes of what she's done just so people can appreciate. Um, I mean, it's like. I think Tom Cruise gets too much credit for driving a motorcycle off a cliff um, <laughs> oh, Okay, compared to what she's doing. I mean, right. honestly, I would do that stunt. Like it's just skydiving. Um, yeah. But she, she had a harder week than he had for sure. And I just hope she gets some of the recognition and credit for it. Cause she's such a physical, super talented, but absolutely a monster when it comes to what she can do. Uh, physically on on set, it's insane. You'll see what I'm talking about when the show comes out. And you'll you'll be like, "This is CGI, right?" Or "This is a stunt. <laughs> this is a stunt person, right?" And it's not. It's insane. Yeah, it's such an ascent from people that like movies knew who she was, but then to go from this to and Mission Impossible, Dune. I mean, she's just absolutely blowing up. This is her year, it, definitely. It might be the craziest year for a genre actor that I've ever seen. Like people yeah. have had like a two year period that compares to this, but I mean, she's kind of established herself as like the new Sigourney Weaver. 
there's a handful of people who become like icons in several different like um, action science franchises. Fiction. Yeah. 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 It's insane. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to out her age, but she's doing this as a mom at an age when a lot of, you know, female actors stop getting work. And instead she's peaking, maybe not even peaking, maybe just on her ascent. She's cranstoning. She's yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. It's like, <laughs> we could not have gotten her right now. If we went after her, like we got her right at like the, perfect the, at the, time. the last yeah week who's, we probably who's silo's casting director because even avi nasa plays lucas it's like right away i'm watching black mirror and he's in it and it's like i feel like there's multiple actors in silo that i've seen start popping up you know right after or even harriet walter off the back of succession being in it's crazy. Well, even even having Allison and Holston, it's almost like, and this is kind of a weird reference, but it's like saying Drew Barrymore and Scream. You put them in there thinking they're the, going to be the main characters because they're mainstream actors and actresses, and then boom, reveal they're not alive. Yeah. They die, and then here <laughs> comes our main character, Rebecca Ferguson. Rashida, I think this the pilot should have opened people's eyes to the kinds of roles that she needs to be doing, like. She could have played Juliet. She has that kind of range, you know, and that kind of power. And she's, you know, has a, a comedy background, but like put her in anything. She, I, I think she's one of those actors, like a Tom Hanks, who people kind of pigeonhole early on. And then when they see what they can do, they're like, get her for everything. I, I, mm-hmm. I want, I just want her to stay busy. You That's know? interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, it, you have a couple actors in like, Rashida Jones is one where right away it's like, oh, wow, like she's playing a pretty captivating role here. And then we talk about it on the pod a lot, but like Common, I mean, before this show, Common has just been, hey, I'm going to be in John Wick. You know, even in the beginning of this show, he's the enforcer. But as the show has gone on, you know, there's some of my favorite scenes are scenes when Common is showing a bit more range, which I I was joking with with Jim in the beginning of the pod, no shots at common, but I was like, if you would have told me before the season, Tim Robbins in common is going to be a duo that I'm going to be going with. Like that yeah. wasn't exactly, you know, common wasn't going to be like in Shawshank in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> right. They, they really play off each other super well. Um, and you know, what love is like, this might be common's favorite role that he's played. He is so into this show, like the way he tweets about it and the way he talks about it. Like, I think this is, the sets are crazy. The cast is nuts. The people that he's getting to to do scenes with is incredible. And I, I just feel like he's having a great time and it shows in his performances and, and the way he's, you know, handling the show outside of the show, like uh, during its release. He was just like a little kid about it. I loved it. Well, it and seems it- like a lot of the actors and actresses are totally into and loving this show and being a part of it. Even Tim Robbins, who I don't follow his Twitter all the time, but he popped up where someone said, you know, we better see Bernard in season two. And he retweets them and tweets working on it right now. You know, they're all talking about this show. And it's awesome when you have that, because there are certain shows where a lot of the advertising promotion is you can tell it's very like this is business this is what i'm told i have to do exactly but you can tell for these the actors and actresses they're very very into it and loving it well think about this like let's put ourselves in the the three of us are on the show right as actors you're you're, well, you're you, you, you've been on it well already, yeah you are so. you're already yeah, I, get us like, on it, I, 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 I want to get in their mindset for a second because I, I feel like we don't do this often enough but we're working on this show 
and and season one comes out and Rotten Tomatoes says 32% and the audience scores 25%. And you got to go into work tomorrow and be that character and put your heart into the show. Right. And no one's watching it. No one can find it on your streaming service. You're asking friends about it. They're like, what? <laughs> and then compare that to like, you're going in, you're, you're living this role. You're, we're, we're playing these characters and what's happening with season one. It's the number one show on the network. Everyone's talking about it. The reviews are crazy. People are saying like, you know, this thing needs Emmy noms. How do you mm-hmm. feel like it, it, it's, it fires you up. It's firing it everybody does. up. Everyone working on the show now you know, you think you're making something good, but you have no idea. And as soon as season one started coming out, people working on season two, the energy is just different, you know? And I think this is how could shows sometimes build on themselves and become bigger, like Breaking Bad. They had no idea what they were making. Oh, yeah. On that first season. But after that, they were, you know, everyone bought in. And I think that's where we are with this show right now is everyone's buying in. and. season two is going to blow people away because of that. You can see that the trajectory is still going up for the hype of this show. You can tell on social media when me and Tyler were were covering it week to week, we saw a lot of people talking about it and a lot of people saying how much they loved it. But as the show went on and even right now with me posting TikToks and things like that, it's really starting to get pumped up. Like it's it's going to have a situation where people are going to go back now and just start to watch instead of having followed it week to week. And that's to your point of the binge. It's being talked about a lot more now that the finale just came out and it stuck the landing. And, you know, everyone's going week to week saying, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? And then boom, sticks the landing. This is amazing. Season two better come out right now. You know, people are freaking out because they want it now. And then you can tell it's just having new viewers go and just say, okay, I got to jump on this train. Yeah. A lot of people wait to hear how the, um, you know, how the finale was before they jump on. And, and so like, Guys, we're talking on Monday. The finale was three <laughs> days ago. Like, right? <laughs> this thing has only really started its life. Um, oh yeah, as a show. Also, what's fun to think about, and it'd be cool to 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 do this again um, when season two starts up. But this show landed, and only hardcore fans of the books had it on its radar. You know, it wasn't until Apple started marketing it that people were like, "What's this? Do I need to?" be watching this Rebecca fans were kind of aware of it and following it but when season two gets ready to launch it's all these people who loved season one like I I don't think I'm prepared mentally prepared for what it's going to be like when we get close to season two coming out it's going to be <laughs> huge anticipation yeah. to triple that podcast out output yeah exactly. yeah I, I told you <laughs> yeah, I'm right, you're notice stuff a- like I'm gonna have to be selective yeah yeah, make sure you keep us on your list. You guys, you guys <laughs> Just remember, OG. we talk you, Sixers. You guys are OG. <laughs> yeah, but we, um, I remember I told you five weeks ago, me and Tyler are both non-book readers. Tyler, I think you did jump in. You said you would. You, you jumped already? Yeah, no- yeah, I, I had to grab it. I got, <laughs> I, I, I waited until the finale ended to start reading, but. Just, yeah, so yeah, you'll spoil some season two stuff, but you know, it's that's been the crazy thing too, as soon as, the books were like all the, the sales went up during the during the show. Obviously, you've got a lot of marketing um, uh, that spills over, but um, 
the paperbacks, all three books are in the top 50 on the Amazon store right now. Like wool is like sit, sitting at number 18 or something this morning. I was just checking. When we were on the pod before you were like, yeah. Hey, it'd be cool if one of you reads, but one of you doesn't. So Jim was me, like, so I want to be, Jim was like, I'm going to just keep watching. But I was like, well, I've already got the books. I had them in my remind me later cart uh, by accident still. And it kept sending me these price alert <laughs> emails because they were going up. I was like, oh, okay, like you better click that buy it now, man. <laughs> yeah, I had to I had to get on it. Yeah, That's so, so you you are the book reader. I'm gonna stay clean slate. It's gonna hurt. I'm gonna want it bad. We especially with the Discord that we created. And you know, we're on the Reddit, we're on Facebook, and there are people that want to talk the book spoilers. So we're gonna separate that. So, you know, book readers and Tyler will jump in and be the book reader to talk to them about that. But honestly, I told you five weeks ago there's seven members of this podcast, and Tyler's actually someone who jumped on with me as an eighth member. And none of us have read the books, and we're huge book readers, we're huge sci-fi fans, and I saw the trailer, and this is to your point of how. You know, not a lot of people, unless you're hardcore book fans, knew about the show coming. I saw the trailer and I said, OK, Town TV, we love sci-fi and the trailer looks great. Let's just jump in and see what happens. And funnily enough, we were covering so much at the time that Tyler, I was like, Tyler, jump in with me. And then we're loving it. We told the rest of them to, to watch it. And now they want to be jumping in on the podcast because they love the show so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We'll have some other members. I think one of our members jumped in for me one week. And we're going to have a couple other members who are going to clean slate it like me and not read the books for season two. And then Tyler will be the veteran who knows some of the spoilers. But we'll make sure we don't give any of the spoilers. He'll just be laughing at us from behind yeah. the scenes saying, oh, yeah, you don't know this. You don't know anything. I love it. That's awesome. Well, Hugh, you you made your appearance. You made a big time appearance in the show, finally. And um, it is funny because we asked you, we said, where is your appearance going to be? When is it going to be? And you're like, I'll let you find out. And you can't tell us when it's going to be because it's the huge scene. It's the spoiler. I know, it's a bit of spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but let me ask you. So you're a down deep guy in that cut. You know, you're disapprovingly looking at Knox. Like, seems like Shirley gave you some info and you're like, oh, fuck that guy. So <laughs> let, let me ask you, if the silo was real, what floor do you think you'd be living on? Um, I feel like I'd be on the farms probably just because I grew up on a farm. My dad was a farmer. Oh, okay. And uh, I think it'd be the closest thing to living outside. You know, it's funny. I had a map for the books, but the the TV graphic designers created an entire map of the silo. And to me, that's canon now because they did a lot more heavy work on it than I did. That's awesome. And now also, hypothetically, as a person from Mechanical, would you be mad or not mad at Knox? Would you take Walk's side or would you take Shirley's side where he should have done it? He did what he had to do or being all I'm pissed off. Now, we know in the show, I'm still pissed off. Crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Like you, we, we don't, right. we don't, we don't turn our own in. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. You were eyeballing him big time. So we talked about season one, how you had a chance, obviously, to to go on to set. You said you weren't there all the time, but you were able to to jump on set and talk to some of the actors and see everything going down. And of course, you were in the show. Did you get a chance to do this yet for season two, or is that coming up soon for you? I've been on set a couple of times, um, uh, watching some takes and, um, you know, seeing the news, the new sets. What's insane is how much they're building for season two. Like, I, I assumed, okay, we've 
we, we invested most of the money. The sets are there. Let's, it should be cheap to keep shooting this. And it's like, nope, we're going to make it bigger and more insane. So, um, yeah, the, what they're working on is, is crazy. I don't know if I'll get over to do a cameo. I don't know that they would indulge me twice, but I might, <laughs> I might inquire. Yeah, I was going to say, big, I think, it was a big spot in the show to have that cameo. Think, that's, that's great. I think your character is set up, you where every season you should be able to elevate your one scene. So like season two, you like have a scream because there's like some like fight happening in, in the down deep. Then season three, you get your line. You know, I want to I work up to stunt, man. I want to I go over the yeah. rail at some point. <laughs> like, do, I want to do something dangerous. Okay. okay. Well, you go over the rail, then you can't get. I was thinking more of like the these pretzels are making. Well, we'll me make that the, the the series the series finale. You can go over the rail, so then you have all of your cameos leading up to that, and then the big finale is you can go over the rail. Yeah, I want to be. I don't know. Maybe you'll maybe you'll turn on the down deepers, and it's Juliet that throws you over the rail. But I don't Happily, know. You don't seem like a awesome. guy who would turn who would turn on the down deepers. So I don't know. Yeah, but if I got to wrestle Bex on on set. Totally. She can kick my ass. I don't care. <laughs> she great. would kick my ass too. Who do you think would win between you and Tim Robbins? A uh, Tim. He's, he's <laughs> en- dude's enormous. Yeah, but you've got Me- you've got what like twenty years on him. 20 uh, yeah, but no, like, come on, you know, you just get stronger as you get older. That yeah, you got thing. that old man strength. Even though I don't want to <laughs> say old man about him. Yeah, well, exactly, because he'll kick your ass. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> no, it's it's a real thing. I remember being wrestling in high school and being in like, I thought the best shape of my life. I was completely ripped. And, you know, my dad had been like, you know, tying me in a knots my whole life. And I had him in a, a, you know, butterfly. And I was like, there's nothing he could do. And he was like, I'm going to break out kind of three. And, you know, he was like my age. Now he just completely wrapped me in another pretzel. I was like, okay, I'll never be stronger than him. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's the old silverbacks, man. And uh, speaking of Tim Robbins, we talked about this on the podcast. We're very, very happy that we didn't get Westworlded with Anthony Hopkins, where Tim Robbins was only a season one guy and he gets killed off and we don't see him ever again. So we're happy that Bernard is going to be a character going forward for us. We're totally happy with some more Tim Robbins on our screens. Yeah, we're going to get a lot more of him. Love it. Well, now that the season's the season's over, we talked a lot about like the outpouring of affection and and all the good that's come with Silo. Has there been any unintended consequences, you know, either positively or negatively? Like, is the IP creeping into video games? Where are we going next? What's what's the wildest inquiry you fielded? Um, people have been trying to get a video game made for 10 years on this. I get, I, I've heard a lot about the video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get inquiries all the time, but the video game, uh, rights, um, usually go with the, um, film or TV rights. So whoever owns it has to parcel it out. I'm trying to get some conversations going, you know, there's divisions. Apple's huge. Um, oh, yeah. but I think it'd be natural to make a video game for the uh, Apple Vision because you've got these AR goggles. You've got a that would be awesome. A world where you know having AR is like the whole central mystery of the show. Even a simple, and you could probably code it in a weekend. A game where you put it on and the world is looks dusty, and when you wave your hand, you know it it clears up. You would only do it twice, and it'd be an amusement. 
but <laughs> you could do all kinds of like cross promotion and tie in. Oh, you can make a Snapchat filter with that. You could do a lot of stuff. TikTok yeah. filter. Season I, two. That's that's the thing is like, you know, we've got more seasons and more years to work on this stuff now that they know what what kind of a hit they have on their hand. They already did some really interesting promo for season one. They had um fake apartments for sale uh underground and in la they had this construction site that's a real construction site and they just bought the wall and made it seem like they were building an underground silo and there were some really funny videos of people like online going this is the dumbest thing i've ever heard and who the hell wants to live (laughs) underground but they had no idea it was promo wow that's awesome yeah apple's being really creative with their marketing so hopefully we can get some kind of game tie-in or something i love that I love that. Jim, do you have any, any other questions about the show or can I hit you with a couple Sixers questions quickly? Well, Tyler, I thought you had a question that you wanted to ask about the trash chute. I have questions about it too. The trash chute makes no sense to me. I don't think it makes any sense to throw something that high up and then try to scavenge it. You know, things. Yeah, well, we were tomorrow. also joking that it was the There's three lights of them. and ladders. It's massive. Tyler actually had a theory that she was going to use the trash chute to get down to mechanical because we were trying to figure out we, you know, no elevators, no pulley system. The only slide is we see it in episode one or two with the little kids going down the slide <laughs> for, you know, the celebration. Yeah. But we were saying that, or at least my thought was that the shoot was going to be in some way, not necessarily a slide, but tilted where if she goes in, it's going to be kind of a slide, even though it'll be a dangerous angle. But going down the ladder, and I think we accounted it was probably 100 hundred stories or something that they had to go down the ladder at one point we were like oh man they're uh you, you already said rebecca ferguson she's she's in shape but i don't know about danny and patrick so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i had a, a lot of suspension of disbelief in the uh in the trash shoot scenes i remember reading the script was... and i was like uh, look if you guys want to do this go ahead but i that was that was the only thing because throughout the whole show one of my favorite parts was like the reality that it takes a long time to go up and down these flights of stairs. And I think you lose something when the show's just like, boom, in two scenes, somebody's from 20 to one one forty. Like, I yeah. like the fact that, you know, you see Jules jump down two flights of stairs and it takes a while for people to come and get after her. So that was like the only scene in the entire show where you as the viewer have to, you have to believe that like, Okay, they do one cut scene with Sims and Billings, and I'm expected to believe that Danny and Patrick made it down a hundred, uh, you know, a hundred story climb. Yeah, and the, the shame is, like, if I'd been more involved in the writing of the scenes, there's easy ways to to make it. I think more exciting and more believable. Like, let's say when you have something super heavy that you're sending down, like that air conditioning unit, and you can set this up earlier when there's the shoot. Is that there's like a a descender clip that goes on to, you know, one arm of the ladder, you know, and it's, yeah, so it's, it it's got a break. Controls the big. Stuff. Yeah. You clip it, yeah. you throw it off and it, and it like, and it, it goes down fast. Like it'd be super exciting, but it, it slows at the end. And then she, so she's clipping those guys and they're like, what the hell are you doing? And she's like pushing them off. And, and then when she's on her descender and they like push that thing after her, that's when she pulls free. And so, yeah, it's a shame. Like, I, I can't be there overseeing everything, but I, I hate to say it, but like, if I was involved in every single aspect, if that was my whole life and I was doing nothing else, then the show, I think, would be even better because yeah, I, I have a 
natural antipathy towards plot holes. I have a very logical brain, but also know what makes for good action. And these are these are what makes my people like my books. Like this is, I, I see it as a reader. When I'm watching TV, I or reading scripts, I see it as a viewer, and I don't want to be upset. So there are ways to make all of these things better. But you know, the yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a miracle the show is as great as it is because it's so hard to make good TV. Yeah. That's 100%. And it didn't take anything away from it. It was just something funny for us. Like you said, there, there's always going to be some kind of suspension of disbelief for certain things. And we, we were trying to figure it out. We're like, how are you going to get down to mechanical fast enough? And we guessed the trash shoot Tyler guessed it. And it is what it is. You know, that's just how it ended up being. It's not a huge deal, but we were kind of laughing about it. I do think she started like, she wasn't at the top when all this started, like she was already pretty far down. And so I think at the end, she went from like 120 to 144 with the last bit of a jaunt, but it's still a right, long way. Right. Still a yeah, less of that, more of because she's at like 17 with Sims, right? Sims wife. Then she's, I believe, like 20 is where they had Patrick Kennedy before. So it was more for me, the the scene of them getting from 20 to 120 that I was like, like I could see falling down, you know, yeah, you fall down yeah. those 20 stories. But the 100 stories climbing down with that, with them, I was like... Another thing they could have done is just show them climbing past a checkpoint. You know, like they climb two levels, get past a checkpoint, then they're back on the stairs. And yeah, so yeah, you add, yeah. If you add like two minutes of them on the stairs talking and they're like, you know, then they see the next checkpoint, they have to get back in. But at some point you run up also, like how much is it worth it? Because the budget, you know, we shot this through COVID, so everyone's testing every day. This production would get shut down anytime one of the main actors was positive. Um, that probably ballooned the cost of the show, you know, 20% just doing it through yeah, COVID. Those, those are the points. And I, that I appreciate you saying that because that's the type of thing. Again, it's so easy as a viewer to just be like, oh, why couldn't they do this? But I do spend, think spend 20 million more dollars. And yeah, this yeah, yeah, right, right. people think like, oh, well, you want to have Rebecca Ferguson on site for three more days. You know what her rate is? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think about that. Actually, that pinged one more thought. And I'm just getting into the book. So it's going to answer itself. But I mentioned how one of the things that we loved was just the reality of the mass silo and getting from floor to floor. The other thing that I it's a small thing, but it might be my favorite point in the show is that so often in these lost style mystery type shows, the protagonist is just so far behind mm. the yeah. viewer. Yeah. And in this case, Jules is either right in lockstep with us or one step ahead of us in terms of what she's thinking and getting things done. Was that, I'm just starting the book, so I haven't gotten to Jules yet, but is that something that was added additive to the show or is that something that I can look forward to for the remainder of the series? Um, it's my, my preferred style of, of entertainment. So I think you'll see it in the, in the book as well, that the characters are clever and you're often kind of catching up to where they are. I think there's two, there's two extremes of that. One is where it feels like the plot is happening to the character where they're not actually, you know, an agent of change. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. And the other is where the character is so in control that you feel like you're like, what are you even watching? Um, one of them, I really love better call Saul, but sometimes they would go to where they just show them doing random stuff. And you're like, 
I have no idea what they're doing, but I know that later they'll show us how clever all this was. And I think that can, <laughs> that can go too far where you're not in on it with them. So finding that balance is very difficult. And that's, that's a really good point. And I think they, yeah. they stuck the landing big time with Jules because it was the perfect, to me at least, it was the perfect, like, if I've got a theory and then the next episode Jules is confirming it, I'm like, nice, good shit, Tyler. Like, you're on the right path. But <laughs> in, the same, in the same vein, some of the things that maybe elongate a show like this, something as simple as, like, her not realizing that Bernard is probably also looking for the hard drive alongside Danny. So she gets Patrick Kennedy out of his house. Like those are the types of things that I don't take for granted because you could have added to your point, you know, 10 more minutes just with her not realizing things as fast as she did. Yeah. I love she's it's amazing how quickly she picks up on stuff, you know, like she learns about the tracking and then in the next scene, she's like, Raiders are going to be here in two minutes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that kind of stuff is just, but we just have great writers on the show. Like these are seasoned, talented people that have done other top shows. So they, they know how to, you know, they know what's going to make a viewer happy. And that's, that's what you want. And I really appreciated the fact that as a podcaster, someone who is trying our best to fine tooth comb and figure out our theories, my whole thing and say, same with Tyler was very early on, we saw the V-formation birds, and we said, this looks like the same clip. And I was saying, this better not be Apple TV being lazy playing the same clip, and I doubt it is, but I really, really appreciate the fact that Jules figuring this out was the same exact way. She sees the birds, and she goes, this isn't real. It just, you know, there's plenty of people who didn't guess that, but when you guess something in a certain way and then the main character comes to that conclusion in almost the exact same way, it just goes more to the both of your points of how smart and intelligent the character of Jules was and how smart and intelligent me and Tyler were, too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, one of my favorite shots of the whole season, maybe the shot to me that sums up like kind of what kind of show this is, is when Allison is staring at the screen and you see the reflection in her glasses of the blue skies and the birds like the way that shot was constructed is so perfect because you're seeing what she's seeing but you're seeing her face see it yeah and it's hard to do both in one shot but that's you know and when it's done well you don't you can't even tell how hard it is to pull off but that was that was one of the shots that i just really loved and it's the perfect way to give the first snippet of a reveal for something that can become a theory because like you said, we're paying attention to her face. We're seeing in her glasses, oh my gosh, there's blue skies and birds. But I had to go back after the Holson scenario and pause it and just be like, can I see those birds flying in V4? Like, you don't think of that when you first see it because you're paying attention to Rashida Jones' acting in, in her face. And yes, you're seeing through the glasses what you need to see, but it's not revealing too much until you really, really go into it and go back and look at it again, which is why I can't wait to go through this binge again now that I have the answers for season one. Yeah. And the payoff with rewatching, cause I've seen the episode several times now is you're going to see so much of the character work and where the seeds of it all, like really early on. Um, it it's, it's so cool. Her Juliet's like arc. And I really loved watching early on people like um, she's so unlikable. She doesn't get along with people. And I'm like, exactly. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're really yeah. excited for season two. I think we share everybody's enthusiasm. And obviously, you know, we'll be we'll be behind the scenes kind of petitioning to get you more screen time in season two, Hugh. <laughs> um, well, thanks again, Hugh. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, we just want to congratulate you again on this amazing season. The finale was awesome. Stuck the landing. We cannot wait for season two. And again, we know you're going to be super busy, but if you got some time with us, we'd love to talk to you again in a year maybe or so when uh, season two is about to come out. Great. Appreciate it. All right, guys, there you have it. We can't thank you enough for joining this podcast, and we cannot wait until season two drops and hopefully a year or so. We think there will be at least one more silo podcast coming your way so that we can let some of the other Binstown hosts get a chance to discuss their thoughts and theories for the season. So please hit that subscribe button because there's still more to come. But like I said earlier in the episode, we want to keep all of you guys as listeners for not just this show, but all of the shows that we have past and present. So please check us out at BingetownTV.com, search Binstown TV on any of your favorite podcast apps, and hit that subscribe button. And if you want to join the Discord community, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you guys. We love talking about all of our favorite shows. It's a blast, and it's been one of the best things we've done so far since creating this podcast. Once again, we are Binstown TV, and thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.